Welcome to the Builder Future Podcast. Today we have a very special episode. It will be our first cross-pod of the year and actually the first cross-pod ever. Today we have Vince Versace from The Construction Record talking about all things construction related. He's a fellow podcast enthusiast. I hope you listen, learn, and grow with our conversation within the construction space. This is the Build Our Future Podcast. We shape our buildings. And afterwards, our us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Well, Vince, take it away. This is Vince Versace, National Managing Editor of the Daily Commercial News and Journal of Commerce, joining you today for this special podcast, our first cross-pod of the year, first cross-pod of 2021. So joining me is a fellow podcaster in the construction sphere. I'll let him introduce himself and tell you a bit more about his podcast. Go ahead, Raul. Thank you so much, uh, Vince. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my name is Raul Faria. Um, I launched a podcast earlier last year. It's called a Build Our Future Podcast. Essentially, it focuses on uh, tech, sustainability, operations, um, essentially just talking to people and companies that are changing mindsets, changing thought, uh, engaging in thought on how we need to change. I'm sure we've all, you know, as part of the construction industry, I'm guilty of it as well, kind of get stuck in our ways sometimes a little bit because we think we're the, we, we know exactly how it's done because we learned it 20 years ago. Uh, but then there are other people out there that are just like, you know what, something clicks in them and they start pushing with something different. Um, and, and my goal is to try and cut through the noise of, you know, Google searches and this and that and, you know, really kind of, you know, I'm a contractor by, by day job, as I say. Um, <laughs> So, you know, for me, you know, it's a lot of time researching and, you know, I just wanted to talk to people to put it out there. So, you know, we're all such busy people and people can just listen to it when they want to see if it, you know, resonates with them, see if a thought, an idea, a concept kind of resonates with them. It's a, it's a nice little snapshot, you know, 30 to 40 minutes kind of thing that we just talk concepts on, you know, where we were, where we are and where we're going within that, within that concept. And, you know, I've met and, and talk to so many interesting people and, you know, just, just kind of s- some stuff I didn't even know what was possible. And, uh, and people are actually years doing it. So it's been, it's been pretty fascinating uh, just to kind of going through something like that. That's pretty awesome. And uh, for your listeners of uh, the Build Our Future podcast, um, as far as the construction record, uh, so we're a podcast that's powered by Canada's two leading construction publications, uh, the, the Daily Commercial News and Journal of Commerce. Uh, chances are, if you're in ICI in particular in Canada, whether it's in the West or here in Ontario uh, nationally, you've heard of one of our two publications. So uh, we launched and the construction. Used it, and used it as well. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Substantial completion forms and so on and so forth. <laughs> so and you're very familiar it. with us. See? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you do enough of those, you get an episode on the Construction Record <laughs> podcast. That's there the bonus. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, for everyone else, uh, for your listeners that may not be familiar with us, we launched the podcast to start telling more of the different, the, the story behind the story and give a bit more context to the stories our journalists and writers were covering. Um, and so we just wanted to carry the conversation in a different way, in a different method. Uh, 
bit more storytelling, a bit more just general discussion like you and I are having when I have it with my staff. And we talk about any issues, whether they're domestic, uh, affecting Canadian construction, whether it's provincial, we'll mine down even more locally if we have to. Mm. But we've had international guests, and just like you, looking for the game changers, the train trendsetters, people that may be seeing something coming. And because we've had guests, just like, as you have, international guests, you know, uh, that pick up on the, the value of the podcast and having the conversation with you. So, uh, so for our listeners and for your listeners, I hope you get something out of this. Uh, basically, Raul and I were talking and we thought, you know what, why don't we talk about the year ahead? Yeah. You know, in construction, the way we see it through the two lenses that we have through our respective podcasts and our respective yeah. work. So, my friend, I will throw the question to you first. Oh, yeah. What in particular are you looking right? at? Yeah, exactly. No, you know what? You know? Uh, I mean, everyone knows we're in a bit of uh, uncharted waters, right? I mean, since, and, I mean, since it's affected us here in Canada since uh, March, mid-March last year. And, um, you know, initially everyone had, let's say, um, you know, like stop, everything stop. We knew, you know, construction stopped completely, right? And kind of gave a reset on, okay, how do we manage construction sites? How do we manage these things going forward? You know, and it's, it's interesting because even to this day, a lot of people still ask me like, how come you're not as busy? Like construction's open, construction's open. And it, it's not as simple as saying construction is open, right? Um, you know, there's a changing um, landscape right now where, you know, costs are increasing, not like forget like your regular, you know, upcharges and costs with suppliers and materials and, you know, logistics and lead times because the schedules are changing as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's nothing you can actually, you can create a schedule and a Gantt chart so nicely, right? right. But, you know, with manufacturing, uh, you know, facilities across Canada and the U.S., you know, working at half capacity, a third capacity, you know, everything down the chain has an impact, right? And it's not just those because they're also waiting for materials. Mm. So it's, you know, trying to, I think right now as contractors, we have to be, you know, extra patient with our clients. Um, I know that runs thin sometimes right. uh, because, you know, um, the independent clients and, you know, the people that are not exposed to construction as us, um, as much, you know, they always need a little bit more coaching to understand. Um, it's not everything that you see on uh, HGTV, <laughs> you know, right. like yes. um, so, you know, by and large you do, but now, especially, you know, you have to be a little bit more patient with them and really explain to them before you sign on the dotted line. Cause what I find is, once you sign on the dotted line and then you say, but, 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 mm -hmm. but, change but, you know, you, yeah, you <laughs> run into issues, right? So, I mean, from my perspective, you know, I've been fairly lucky. I mean, by fairly lucky, I'm saying, I mean, we were shut down for six months last year, but you know, now some of the clients are kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines potentially coming out. Um, you know, so, you know, they're starting to look at, you know, restarting construction, you know, we're starting up a few projects next week. And I've heard of quite a few other people as well are doing that as well. Um, mm -hmm. They're jumping on um, to, you know, get kind of be ready for like the spring and summer. Cause you know, yeah, going through the winter is going to be challenging. You know, it's, yeah. you know, Canada, it's, as I say, the long dark winter, but mm -hmm. you know, people are actually looking forward to the spring and summer cause they do actually see a light uh, that's a lot closer. Right. right. Um, at the end of the tunnel, you know, the large projects are always going to go on the condos, uh, the municipal projects. It's, it's the stuff that comes in with the private funding. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the private entities, the, the developments kind of thing. Um, you know, those are the ones that you have to keep an eye out on because cost, costs are increasing. 
health and safety considerations, the number of people you can work in a space, um, you know, hand sanitizers, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's an extra layer of health and safety that we have to be aware of. Um, and I know a lot of companies are doing it differently. Um, you know, I, I don't believe there's any specific right way in this time, mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. definitely a few wrong ways. <laughs> oh, yes. well, well, that's for sure. And those are clearly evident most of the time, <laughs> yeah, ex right? Exactly. So, how, how do you see it? How do you see it coming up over the next few months in this year? Yeah. Well, picking up on your thread there around private versus public projects. And um, I was having a discussion for a couple podcasts ago, our first podcast of 2021 with Alex Carrick, our chief economist on staff. Mm -hmm. And he looks at everything construction in North America. And I posed to him the question, my thought process was, well, because of the restrictions and the changes that COVID is creating, uh, not just in how we're working right now, but how about what we're building or what needs to be in place when everybody starts to come back to work? So my question was more along the lines, I was wondering with 2021, uh, the maintenance and renovation side of construction. You know what I mean? Is there going to be, is it safe to say there's going to be a pickup in that area? right? Because people need to remodel their offices maybe to make them palatable and comfortable for their employees to come back. Because we look at the offices that we were in before and it's kind of funny, right? There once was a time we were all in little cubicles, sectioned off from everybody. Which would work really well right now. <laughs> yeah, which would be really great right now, but then there was this whole change, right? Yep. Open concept, thinking spaces, collaborative yep. spaces. And well, now what happens, right? How do you start to put in back those kind of space, safe spaces, the, the physical distancing in these offices? And well, you know, what's the knock-on effect of that? You know, and I'm curious to see that in 2021. It's still maybe a little too early to see, like, mm -hmm. I would imagine a big wave of renovation mm -hmm. and remodeling because mm -hmm. people are still trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. Look at it right now, as you and I talk today, Ontario had record number of COVID yeah. cases. We're worried about the capacity of our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. But I look at that and I wonder, and I wonder about you contractors like yourself too, right? It's, yeah. you know, I how mean, do you, you know, working in this environment, right? You know, going on your thread with the offices, I had an interesting yeah. conversation on one of, one of the episodes. Um, gentleman named Danny Sang, he's with um, an interior design firm called um, Syllable. And we, we talked about, you know, a hybrid office, essentially. Like, is that the future, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think what people are finding, especially in office spaces, is that, um, They've had to adapt and learn to trust more, <laughs> if that makes any sense. We're so, we so, we're so used to managers and everybody else and even, even teams um, being in the same office to collaborate all the time. And, and this environment has kind of forced us to use Zoom, use Signal, use Slack, use all these other collaboration softwares out there in right. order to, to get to an end result. But I, I, don't, I don't think that an office is ever going to go out, to be perfectly honest with you. I mm -hmm. think for it, especially in a collaborative space, you know right. what I mean? So yeah, yeah. my sense is, and I know from talking to a couple of clients, you know, they were looking at reducing their footprint of their office and mm -hmm. kind of doing like a half off-site, half in the office, but creating more collab collaborative spaces as opposed to, you know, an open, open desks, open office where everyone comes in and co comes out kind of thing, right? Right, right. Um, I had to kind of change my thinking a little bit too because we had an office as well for quite a while. And this is before COVID too, so it's kind of funny how it worked. And right. like December 2019, you know, I was just like, you know, at any given point in time, I have less than half of my office in my office because they're on right. job sites, materials, this, you know, all these things. So I'm like, do I need this footprint for, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a 10th of the year? <laughs> like, does it right. actually make 
sense financially to commit these costs on a monthly basis for this, just to have somebody's desk there, <laughs> as yeah. it were. Right? right. You look at some, you look at some of the larger corporations and financial institutions. They 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 actually have, you know, there's no dedicated desk. Mm-hmm. So when they come into an office, they just plug in and then they go. <laughs> yeah, these hoteling stations, as we call yeah, them. Yeah, but it's, but exactly. but there's but there's spaces there is their space, right? So yeah. um, I think in terms of an office, I think that's where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with retail. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, restaurants, I'm not too. Even though we do a lot of restaurants, I'm not so concerned about it because. You know, one of my fond, I was talking to my wife the other day and we were talking about highlights of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of them was, um, we went down to a pub in Milton with a couple of our friends who were in our bubble. And, you know, they had like the plexi screens and stuff and we're like, we were so excited because it felt normal. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. You know, that kind of environment, I think there's always going to be a need for. Mm-hmm. It just depends on when people are, are going to be comfortable, right? And different yeah. people comfortable at different different stages different rates but the retail is something i the brick and mortar retail is something i wonder about i do wonder too because um you see a lot of the curbside shopping like there isn't really a construction knock-on effect with that the knock-off effect you know what i mean We're doing more curbside it's more logistical for the retailers you know but those big spaces like already there was it was a story we had started covering a couple of years ago kind of the death of the shopping mall Right. Yeah. Especially in the U.S., you have like these gargantuan spaces that are empty now because of people like because they'll tell you it's because of Amazon and the Walmarts, you know, what I mean, crushing all these smaller retails that would be in malls. So, you know, it was interesting. I was coming across a story. I can't remember the company now. There, there's a company that's looking to pick up an old mall in the States and turn it into their headquarters, you know, and. Yeah. It'll be what, what happens to these other retailers? I don't know. Like, I mean, you, you were in the GTA, you and I, and around Christmas, yeah. like, I mean, I remember driving by uh, Bass Pro Mills, you know what I mean? It was jammed. You know what I mean? There were lineups outside. It was one day it was like freezing rain and sleet and people were lined up. You know what I mean? But I wonder if that's also cause and effect, right? Like lockdowns were going down right after Christmas. So everyone Mm -hmm. was jumping in to get in there. Right. Yeah. Again, it's one of those, no one knows the actual answer. Um, mm. Kind of just make the best decisions in front of us. But, yeah. you know, construction, I mean, construction is timeless. It's one of those things that um, I know a lot of people talk about it in my circles. Mm. You know, it's one of the most underappreciated um, industries out there, right. but also one that's always needed. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, uh, yeah. it's uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think it's, we're always going to survive. Um, I think it's just a matter of, I mean, look at the residential sector during mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. It's gone bananas. Totally. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's like, because people aren't traveling, people aren't committing costs to, you know, mm-hmm. other stuff. So like, you know what? Uh, and they find that now that they're within their house a lot more, because they're mm-hmm. not away for 40 hours during the work week, they're like, you know what? Like, this really doesn't work. You know, let me yeah. find out what it's going to, you know, what I need to to update this or fix it or change it or tweak it to my daily needs. But when you're stuck in the grind and you're just going, you know, you come home, it's like, ah, it's not a big deal. Ah, it's not yeah. a big deal. Right. I'm not here all the time, just the weekends and the evenings. So yeah. I'm guilty of it too. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Not, not being in the contracting business, but being a hand, somebody that's handy in construction and likes my projects. Always had the weekend projects, but schedule them out literally like kind of taking the work mentality. Okay. For the first quarter, this is what I'm going to do. You know, when spring comes up, I'll redo the porch. Right. I'll redo this, that's you right. know, that's but now right. having been home base since March 20, you know, March 14th, 2020, mm-hmm. it's like there have been projects I've tackled. I never would have got to. 
because I've been sitting here in the, in the space, right? And my right. wife's working in the space too. It's like, okay, what does work for us and with the kids? Yeah. And it's like, well, that project, uh, might as well just start picking away at it since I'm here, yeah. right? And yeah. now mind you, when we're dealing with these larger projects, it's interesting with the industry, you know? And I wonder about contractors like yourself having to adjust, you mentioned the COVID safety parameters, right? Maybe give uh, our, our collective listeners a bit of that journey that you went through to learn what the best practices were, what you should institute. I think that would be interesting for people to hear. Yeah. Um, so when it, when, it, when it first happened, like I would, you know, we, we, we shut down right away. You know what I mean? We shut down, I think actually almost a week before because um, some of my clients were getting a little antsy as well. And we're like, you know what, let's just take a step back, right? Um, but then through the process, you know, uh, you know, I have a third party health and safety company as well. So talk to them a lot. And, you know, initially part of the challenges were that there was no clear direction for construction on, on what met needs. Right. Even I think in other industries too, right. It was, it was almost like, well, if somebody had an issue, call MOL and they'll come and inspect. Well, that, I mean, that really doesn't help when you're trying to, you know, push on projects and stuff like that. But you know, for, for us, what we did was we, we ended up, um, you know, we have sign-in sheets every day for contact tracing. Um, you know, while I don't ask for individuals' phone numbers, we do, I mean, obviously we got contracts with, with their office, so they have their phone numbers, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you know, so we, you know, we do a temperature check as well just to make sure, get them to sign off daily about, you know, have you, the usual, have you left the country? Have you, you know... You know, where have you been? How, did you get exposed to anybody? How are you feeling? You know, just those things. I mean, I mean, that's all you can really do, to be perfectly honest with you. Right. Um, you know, I try not to have more than, depending on the size of the job. So if it's a smaller, you know, like 1,500 square foot space, you know, depending on what's scheduled, mm-hmm. you know, I won't have more than three contractors in that space, like three companies. Yeah. Um, but again, it all depends on where they are working. If they're working in different sections, not a big deal. Right. Um, for me as well, I always, you know, talk to the trades um, and find out, okay, have they been working with the same person or mm-hmm. are they working with multiple crews, right? I'm pretty lucky in that sense as a, as, a, as a small business that a lot of the trades I deal with, they're of the smaller variety, not large. So they don't have massive crews. They've got like, you know, two to eight, uh, people mm-hmm. that you know that are always on the job site so they generally have there's two people that 90 percent of the time always work together so it makes it pretty right. simple so they're always around each other it's right. almost like that's their little their bubble mini bubble of cons- their yeah. mini bubble of construction yeah. right so it makes it a little bit easier um you know site meetings you know everyone wears masks with the clients masks we try and social distance as much as as much as we can depending on Closer to the end, it's harder because it's mm-hmm. a little tighter. Uh, yeah. But it, I think it just depends. You know, I have hand sanitizers on on every job site as well. A lot of them have disappeared. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well, not so much now, but initially they did. Yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, not so much now. People understand. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone likes it, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, you know, my concern isn't really right now. You know, right now I think people are just, for lack of a better term, putting their head down and pushing through, um, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, you know what, they have to do this when they go to a restaurant, they have to do this if they want to, you know, right. for people who got daycare, you know, my kid, when we take him to daycare, he's got to mm-hmm. get his temperature checked as well. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, we just putting our head down and saying, this is what we need to do. You know, what I'm really questioning and, and, and cons- concerned about down the line 
is when the vaccines come out and they're more accessible to the general public or they are accessible to the general public. You know, what do we do as business owners? What do we do as people in general? Like, is it, do we mandate? Do we not mandate? If we don't mandate, what risks are there? Um, you know, does the government have a right to mandate? I mean, that's a big political question. But I mean, these are all legitimate questions because these are all legitimate uh, conversations that I'm having in my personal life too with family right. and friends. And it's no different in business. I mean, especially construction with health and safety, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is that going to be mandated is not. And, you know, will that affect performance on jobs? Will trades because of their staff, you know, who are not comfortable like, let's just say we have to do a mandate. Like, how is that going to come, come play? Now, if I mandated for my, my team within One Oak uh, mm-hmm. in the construction company, do I have a right to do that for subcontract? There's so many questions. Right. I, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's one of those. And I don't envy the decision makers that uh, have to make these decisions in, in the coming months. It's going to be, I don't know, have you had uh, any conversations uh, to that effect kind of thing? Yeah, our reporters start to ask some of those questions mm-hmm. about when the vaccine really becomes prevalent. And I did too in a couple of podcasts into yeah. near the back end of last year, um, looking ahead. And um, well, you said you don't envy the decision makers. The one universal thing I got from everybody that I spoke to is we all agree, whatever they come up with, it's not going to be good enough to somebody. <laughs> like somebody, like the, the lesson we've learned with the mask, you know what I mean? Like just putting a piece of cloth on your face for the five minutes you go into a store to get a gallon of milk, right? Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. and that's, you know, yeah. and look at the pushback on that. So imagine trying to, imagine a project owner you right. got to wonder, will it happen on public projects, right? Yeah. When you look at liability, that's some of the stuff yeah. that we're starting to explore. Like, will yeah. a public owner go, well, look, anybody that's on our site needs to be mandated to, to have had a vaccine. Like, it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of speculation. You know, I mean, and right now, when we look at it, we still got to wrestle the second wave, right? Collectively, whether it's our industry or in our personal lives. Yeah. So I wonder if it's questions, yes, that are percolating, but until we kind of get through this next rush, you know, yeah, do we... But- I, you know, I agree with you in some respects, but to be honest, as, you know, as, as a business owner, you know, our whole premise is based on forecasting and planning with cash flows and this and that. Right. So like literally it's, you know, and obviously liability protection and everything else, you know, so it, it's really challenging, but you know, at this time we, we really have to, you know, you know, wait and see, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it's one of those where it's kind of interesting. Um, my wife keeps telling me that I'm, I'm pretty surprised during, during this pandemic, you, you're not as stressed as you usually are when there is work and mm-hmm. there's no, cause I was shut down for about six months with work, right? Six and a half right. months. Seven months. And, and I was like, yeah, you know why? She's like, why? I was like, for the first time in my, in my business life, I could not have made one decision differently to affect this outcome. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> it was totally taken away from you. Like, you know, there's nothing I could have done. You know, yeah. everything else, you can beat yourself up. You can beat yourself up. And I think this is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. All you can do is keep reading and keep talking to people such as yourself and other people mm-hmm. within, within our circles. And honestly, I'm just trying to make the best decision moving forward. Not, even, even, as, even for me, I know a lot of people don't like you know, when I ask them to sign in every day, mm-hmm. they don't like it that I ask them for temperature checks. Okay. They don't like the talks every morning, but we have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, 
It's, you know, the other, cause the other stuff too, I mean, all the other toolbox talks that we've had to do over the years, that's become standard. People got used that's to right. it. Yep. Right. But any, mm-hmm. when anything is new, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the question because, you know, it, it does feel at times that, um, the information is just not just in your face. It's jammed in your face sometimes. Right. right? So it's, so it's hard as humans not to be like, why is it just jammed all the time? Like, mm-hmm. why aren't they talking about different things? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like different perspectives, right? It's mm-hmm. only natural to question that. Right. Yeah. And, so. and it's interesting too. You mentioned a little while ago to, to work off of that, you know, the business of construction continues, right? Yeah. Things are getting built. Things need to get built. You and I have talked about this. From the moment we wake up in the morning, our eyes open up, we swing those feet off the bed, construction's touched your life, you know, a couple of different ways, even before you get ready. And uh, so like with our team and what we were looking at as we reviewed 2020, besides COVID, COVID is a big impact, right? But in construction, like looking ahead, some of the other th- themes we still want to explore because they percolated last year, a dynamic year beyond mm-hmm. the pandemic. When you look at stuff like with racism and construction, right? Mm-hmm. A topic we were yeah. covering pretty heavily and we're going to dive into even more in 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the outcomes of that? That shook this industry. While it's dealing with a pandemic, right? Yeah. And all these restrictions, you start getting a, that uncomfortable conversation is now finally being had openly a bit more, right? And different jurisdictions in Canada are dealing with different types of dis- uh, discrimination and mm-hmm. racism on sites. There's always kind of the prevalent people in the West. Western Canada will tell you, well, indigenous workers have always been dealing with it. You know what I mean? On construction sites. Whereas yeah. here, what's prompted the conversation in Ontario, as you know, as one of, like in listening to our podcasts and our mm-hmm. readers know, it's the actual overt racism, racist acts that were happening at some of these construction sites. Whether it was some, mm-hmm. um, I'll use the term, some jackass, just doing yeah. it for kicks, yep. you know, when putting up these yeah. nooses, or if it was serious, right? Mm-hmm. It raised a very uncomfortable conversation during very unprecedented times. And the conversation doesn't end just because with the calendar year changes to 2021. Yeah, you know, when, when, when that happened, I was actually pretty floored, pretty shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, quite obviously, you can look at me, I'm a minor, I'm visible minority, as they yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes in Toronto, you would say I'm not. But no, <laughs> that's, well, a different, that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but, um, you know, I guess I've been fairly lucky over the years, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've not necessarily had or experienced that overt racism within the industry you know what i mean right i've been i have been treated very differently but that's also because i was really young at times and right. you know as a quality control technician <laughs> you know with mm-hmm. you know testing compaction on a job site this is i'm, I'm going back to like the early 2000s now <laughs> you know trying to tell somebody who's had 30 years in the experience you know that i think that happens yeah. across the board yeah uh, i'm not saying i've not had the the subliminal stuff you know mm-hmm. um you know but I mean, that stuff, you know, we all go through it at times. We all have our stereotypes that have been built in for a long time, and it takes a long time to break those. Um, right. But I mean, that actually, that actually shook me a bit, too, because I, I was pretty surprised at, as you said, the in-your-face racism mm-hmm. um, that was there. Um, you know, and I, I don't even I don't even know where to start with that. To be honest with you, I mean, quite obviously, it's it's never accepted. Like, forget a construction site in life; it's it's never it's never accepted. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for me, my my questions are always. You know, it's interesting. I took 
and this will be a little bit, maybe a bit controversial, but when I was in university, I did, uh, I studied civil engineering at Waterloo and we, we were mandated to take some courses, you know, that kind of built your worldview. So you had to take different mm-hmm. courses kind of thing. And, and one of them was, was, it was called the study of evil. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, and I thought it was an interesting concept, but it was pretty interesting. And they talked about, you know, racism. Uh, this is, you know, and, and they were talking about, you know, when somebody has a racist perspective, it's wrong. You have to talk to them and try to change them. But what you have to try to figure out too is where did those ideas come from? Where did that mm-hmm. thought come from? Was it, was it their, um, was it, you know, what is it their family? Is it friends? Who is it? And that's an uncomfortable that's an uncomfortable conversation to have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because because most of these thoughts are not formed from one experience. They're formed from, you know, different people telling different people different things. I mean, you know, we're all guilty of, of you know, passing jokes and think right. it doesn't sting sometimes. Um, so, I, you know, that's one of those uncomfortable conversations. But, you know, I, I think depending on, on, on the space, I, I do feel like it's not as prevalent as we think. Uh, mm-hmm. I think mo- I, if you ask me personally, most of the prejudice I think it, that's out there has got nothing to do with race, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. and professional, I guess you could say. It's more to do with people who don't know what they're doing, acting like they know what they're doing. Yeah, which is dangerous <laughs> you know I mean? construction, period. Which is dangerous <laughs> construction, right? right? Like, you know, it's, uh, that's where I think a lot, there's a lot more angst, a lot more bile and, and vile that comes out. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it manifests them in different ways, which is, which is pretty terrible um, that, it, that it comes to that. But, you know, that's, that's an interesting, um, like, I, I was pretty shocked at that. I was, I was pretty shocked at that, you know. Um, but, you know, from talk, I did a couple of speeches at um, uh, Lambton College to some of the, you know, international students that were looking to, you know, learn more about construction project management and just talk to them about how to get into the industry and, you know, they had some of those concerns as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can believe it, you know, because right. they had accents and, you know, you always, you know, when I first immigrated here in the 90s, I also had that concern. Will I be treated differently because of my accent? Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Um, you know, and the answer is yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, think one, I think at the end of the day, most times when people actually get to know you as a person, mm-hmm. um, I think that's when things change. I know that's when it changed for me. Um, sure. You know, once people knew that, if I didn't know, I would say, I don't know. Can you let me know? Uh, even, even to this day, you know, I don't profess to know everything. So I always try and ask questions if I don't know. And I think, I think people appreciate that more. Mm-hmm. I know for me, it was, um, I've, well, you know, I'm Italian. I'm Italian descent. So I don't consider myself whatever white. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have an ethnicity, uh, you know, a heritage yeah. of some kind. But mm-hmm. um, I remember my dad's construction crews. You know what I mean? Our listeners know I reference my father a lot because he was in residential construction. And I, I have these memories of my dad kind of feasting. You know, he'd have some of his guys from his crew eating in our basement or in our backyard in downtown Toronto and grew up in an immigrant neighborhood where we didn't have any white friends. We didn't have any Canadian friends. We had Portuguese, we had Chinese, we had Indian, you know what I mean? Primarily yeah. friends. That's what they were, or Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember those crews and there was never a white guy. Right, there, there, there were Aboriginals, there, you know, First Nations, Indigenous yeah. folks. He had black Jamaican guys on his mm-hmm. crew, Portuguese guys on his crew. Interesting thing is, the one thing they didn't have in common was the English language. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know what I mean? They, they could all communicate on the construction sites, build these homes right. in Milton and in Peterborough yeah. and, yeah. you know, in Oakville, but then talk the language of workers, 
around the yeah. table after a hard day of work at construction, right? Mm -hmm. So I was caught a little bit. And to see that kind of overtness, those overt acts like that, that's what made me think, is this somebody just playing along, backing off on the, you know, trying to play off the BLM stuff, which is totally mm -hmm. legitimate, yeah. in, not just in the States, but here in Canada, you know what I mean? Were people yeah. trying to have fun off of that? Because it's not funny. But I was yeah. surprised because I was raised in a construction environment and family where it was, there was nobody, there were no Caucasian people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was all immigrants coming together to work hard to make a living. And I know it sounds like a very idealistic story, but that's the reality for myself and guys of my generation yeah. that grew up in construction families. So um, I was so disappointed, so disappointed to see that and to see it continue. That was the thing with Toronto. And it's like, well, is it a joke or is this real? But you know what was real was the discussions yes, and the fact that sure. this needs to happen. We need yeah. to have this talk because it is there because yeah. there are some people that are expressing that frustration, right? So uh, curious to see and, how that plays out this year, right? And, ahead, that it was taken, and that it was taken seriously, whether it was a joke or not. Yep. That's the exactly thing as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because sometimes th things can be said or done in jest. But, right. you know, it, I mean, obviously that's an extreme example, but I find mm. that you know, even if it's just a comment that's made in jest or, you know, I am, I much appreciate what somebody tells me, Hey, that was, that was a little off base yep. because, you know, we've all had our own experiences too, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yep. In a positive and negative and, and different comments affects, affect different people, different ways. That's right. right. Um, so yeah, you know what, that's for me, that's uh yeah, but, but you know, honestly, the, but the one thing I will say though is I, um, I don't think it's as prevalent um, mm -hmm. in our industry, to be perfectly honest. I think it's more based on what you're saying, mm -hmm. um, you know, like your experience with your dad and, 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 you know, the people around him that built these mm -hmm. homes everywhere. I do think for the most part, that's what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And I do feel that it's just like every other thing, right? Like you got your, you got your bad contractors, you got your good contractors, you got your bad lawyers, you got your good mm -hmm. lawyers. You right. and, and, you know, I'm really grateful that, it, that the conversations were real and they were serious because, you know, 90, 95%, if not more of the contractors are just trying to make an honest living. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're just trying to build it, make some mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. um, you know, not gouge, you know, get the right quality out. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and yeah. I think it's the same with the workers on, on, on the sites too. Mm -hmm. Well, when you look at the demographics of our industry, right? It's, 70, depending on whose stats you want to look at, between 75 and 82% of the Canadian construction are contractors, independent operators like yourself, right? Yeah. Kind of, they call them mom and pop shops, mm -hmm. employees from yeah. one to 20. And, yeah. and that's the reality. You know, you'd like to yeah. think, yeah, you have your underground economy, not dismissing oh, it, it yeah. exists and it creates yeah. problems for guys like yourself um, and other everybody. people. Right? Yeah. So not dismissing it, but overall, you're right. I think it's people just trying to find a way. So you throw in a pandemic in the middle of that, you throw in some of these other uncomfortable conversations around racism and, yeah. you know, it was one heck of a year, last year in construction, you know, yeah. and so but looking you know, ahead, you go ahead, sorry, sorry. Go on. no, go ahead, no, go no, on. finish off. Go. No, but I, but, but what I find interesting is I feel like every year there's always something uh, that mm -hmm. takes hold in our industry, right? There's like, yeah. there's, there's, um, and, and it's, and it, I don't mean like kind of neat in a way, but it's kind of, it's kind of nice that it's not like f five to 10 different major things happening at the same time. And we're trying to scramble for everything. Right. It almost feels like there's one thing, one big thing that happens in a year or, or two years. And then there's more awareness. And then there's more, there's more awareness that, Hey, there's like four or five other things that are going on for that specific issue. Mm -hmm. Let's try and resolve that. And then, 
You know what I mean? And not, yes, not, necessarily, not necessarily take your eye off it, but always be aware of it. But, you know, come up with tangible steps to improve that. Yeah. And uh, I, for us as reporters looking into the industry and covering it, when I think about my team, like December was a particularly dark December in Ontario construction. Like in the end, we had a total of eight construction deaths to finish off the year in this yeah. jurisdiction. And that's crazy. Right. Crazy. So yeah. we've, you know, we took the unprecedented step with us with the daily commercial news. We blackened our front page after there was the spat of like six deaths in, in five days, uh, just to kind of show that it's like, you know, this isn't just another statistic. Why is this happening? And for me, it, um, it brought me back to the swing stage tragedy here in Toronto from uh, just over 10 years ago when four mm -hmm. guys were on a swing stage mm -hmm. and it broke apart at Kipling Avenue. I remember, I remember that. going yeah. out there on that Christmas Eve yeah. and yeah. going to the scene. You know what I mean? And seeing the swing stage broken apart 13 stories up and seeing bodies tar tarped over. Wow. Right? So here we are all these years later and on all these separate projects, all these guys getting killed. And it is getting killed. It's yeah. not an accident. It's an incident. It's something yeah. that happened. Why? Is it the COVID question? Those are the question. There's your typical question as a journalist you start to ask. Yeah. But you know what I mean? There's like, is it, a, is it a shady shop? Is it legit? Who's the owner? Like, were they yeah. rushing because it's Christmas? But more of the questions That's we started right. to ask this year was like, is there COVID fatigue on these sites? Yeah. You know what I mean? Are people tired yeah. of the parameters and rules? Are they rushing yeah. on these sites because of the delays COVID created and the rules around it? So I'm curious to see through our team how we explore that this year and the answers that are going to come out of those investigations into those deaths because to have so many in such a short period of time in one jurisdiction raises a lot of eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, going back on COVID too, you know, the same mm -hmm. thing holds true. You look at... Uh, you know, just our, our health and safety standards, right? Like they always say two people have to be working together, mm -hmm. right? You know, lifting stuff that's heavy, you know. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that causes some issues at times because, you know, maybe somebody doesn't want to work with somebody else because of COVID. How do you maintain mm -hmm. six feet trying to, you know what I mean? Trying yeah. to, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's tough. It's tough, right? So that's why I think you're right. We'll have to see how, the, how, how it goes, how the trend goes. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, and like I said, it's just trying to be prepared a little bit. Right. So as we wrap up, uh, I'll ask you from a podcasting point of view, yeah. as a construction yeah, back podcast, to, back, to, back to the podcast, yeah. back to the podcast, because yeah. we are cross potting. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious, um, what are you looking forward to? What kind of conversations are you looking forward to trying to explore this year? Uh, you uh, know, it's interesting because there's, there's a lot of different ones, but, but I think uh, for me, it's like on a couple different trains and really it's two, um, you know, it's, you know, the talk about sustainability and how we can, um, actually, I would say sustainability in general, because, you know, repurposing, you said, you know, somebody was trying to buy a shopping mall and repurpose mm -hmm. it, right? Like that, like that's a form of sustainability people don't, people don't talk about, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how, how is modular construction, like city of Toronto just built those homes and stuff, right? Modular, mm -hmm. you know, how is that going to take hold? You know, how, you know, are we paying attention to the details of modular construction? Because 15, 20 years down the line, if it doesn't serve that purpose, you know, have we kept the proper BIM records and the connections so we can say, you know what, I need, you know, piece A, piece H, piece J, and then mm. put it together and take it to a different job set and do something different, like repurpose portions of it. You know what I mean? Um, but I think it's also just talking to um, different people within the tech sector, you know, 
I've been a little averse to jumping on fully with the tech side. I'm just talking about from a business perspective um, mm-hmm. because there's so many options out there and right. you got, you got to spend the time to figure out something that fits um, actually. But for me, I'm really interested in talking to more engineers and architects and, and, and designers and, and be more inclusive on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people who've had construction experience and you know, how, you know, what they're pushing with, with changing mindsets, but you know, some of the architects and engineers as well are really coming up with different ideas for, you know, like, for example, like, you know, vibration and sound, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, installation, you know, different methods for, you know, just how we build things had, you know, how do we build things off site to improve, you know, efficiency right. on site, you know, like so, things like that. I, I had an interesting podcast, um, with uh, Professor Carl Haas from University of Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to reach out to more universities because it's, you know, my conversation with them, I said, you know, when I was in university, I probably didn't care too much about what they were researching. Mm. But then, you know, as I was talking to him and I, you know, he started sharing with what they were researching, I'm like, this has practical implications. For Cause you, you, you know, because now you're in the yeah. industry. It's a, it's, it's a different mindset, right? So, right. you know, talking to them because they're looking at things like 10 years down the line and doing the research now and doing the testing now mm-hmm. uh, on something that could potentially take hold, you know. And right. just because one idea doesn't come on doesn't mean it's not a good idea. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just just talking to a lot of different people um, regarding that. But I did want to talk to more people you know, a part of the education side, be it colleges teaching trades, be it tradespeople, mm-hmm. or even like, you know, just construction in general. Uh, because I find a lot of people are still not fully jumping on board to get into construction. It's almost like, you know, they go to school and then they want to become a project manager right away. Right you know, away. they want that, you know, and it's just like, you know, there's, there's a process, right? Like you got to yeah. understand drawings. You got to see how these drawings mm-hmm. become a 3D, something 3D awesome. on site and how it fits together, you know? So, so talking about why there's a disconnect between, you know, what's determined blue collar, what's determined white collar in the traditional sense. Cause mm-hmm. nowadays I think they're one and the same really yeah. <laughs> right there's no there's no distinction because i'm only as good as the guys on site doing the job and they're only good as me getting the work as well <laughs> yeah no no that's and that's that's the thing people need to understand with we talk about the stigmas around construction and i'm glad you want to explore that it's something we continually do where we try not to as media entities we try not mm-hmm. to show bias or express a bias but there's only two areas where my team and myself i'll fully admit we have a bias one is health and safety Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. most of us have either been in construction families or currently still have members in construction on my staff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we want the industry to be safer. So that's why we take it to heart when we see what happened in December. So we want to continue that. And um, the second thing is apprenticeship and training and the, the future of the industry. We have a bit of a bias because yeah. yeah, you could say it's been, well, it's because we cover, you cover the industry. That's why you want to still be able to cover it. You need people. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's true. But in talking to people like you or other companies that are established, like you see the issues around yeah. not having quality skilled trades or not having enough skilled trades or people wanting to eventually get on that project management track or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, supervisor track. Like there is a labor shortage, you know yeah. what I mean? And there is. Real. There is. You know, and uh, we'd like to see, you know, what are the solutions and keep people, you know, um, questioning and looking for solutions. That's the thing too, is everybody relies on sometimes these governments to come up with answers and then you'll hear the industry going, well, where'd you get that solution from? That's right. Actually talk. Inquisitive. Inquisitive. Yeah. You know, right. So. Yeah. And it goes off. uh, I think one of my first episodes, Hmm. a gentleman from uh, San Francisco 
And he's a civil engineer and he started teaching high school kids the trades by building tiny homes. Because mm-hmm. uh, he said, you know, growing up, he was pushed into, you know, engineer, lawyer, like, you know, the big ticket items kind of thing. And he's yeah. like, you know, there, there is another option and you can make a good living. Mm-hmm. People think that if you're, if you're on the tools, you don't necessarily make a good living and they bypass it. But you can. You actually yes. can make. But it's just, but it goes back to just like any other industry. As mm-hmm. long as you're good at what you do and you're passionate, mm-hmm. you will it'll return financially and otherwise. You know what yeah, I mean? Like if you're not good at it, you're not going to do well. No, and that's right. And you know what I mean? And that's always the question that will you still be passionate about something you're not good at? And people tell you you're not good at it, right? You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it, it's not for everybody. And uh, yeah. it's about how to and then make it realistic for some of these yeah. new, the, the new workforce that wants to come in, right? So yeah. they can, every works, every job site, whether it's, an office, a construction site, doesn't matter. There's politics everywhere. You're always going to have your bad apples. There's always issues, right? Mm-hmm. But as you know, we're, we're preaching to the converted probably with our listening, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Construction's a hard job. Hard job. You know what I mean? It's a hard industry. It's rewarding. It definitely is, but it takes, it's taxing and it can be demanding. And you got to have to be wired a certain way yeah. to be involved in it. Right. And you know what? To jump off the question you asked, I'll, I'll just tell you this. But you yeah. said, uh, um, can you be passionate about something you're not good at? And I'll talk mm. about just a lot of people in general. I'll give mm. you one example. And I, and I actually give this as an example to people. Mm. Say golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Right? That is true. Like yeah. most people oh. who, who golf are really passionate about it. But they're awful. They're, not, they're awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I so, learned that pretty quick the first few so, times. So that, I'm like, so, I'm not going to get passionate about this because I'm really right. not good at it. So let me flip that question back to you before, before sure. we end. What are, you, what are you looking forward to this year um, in your conversations? Definitely. Uh, with the podcast, uh, through the podcast lens, played my hand a bit. Mm-hmm. We are going to explore the issue of racism and construction mm-hmm. a bit uh, more deeply nationally, not just here mm-hmm. in Ontario. I look forward to those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. I think they need to be had, considering the feedback we got from the industry and in our general reporting mm-hmm. about the topic. One, we would get, you know, an accolade like, hey, thank you for doing that. That's really great. But B, you don't know the whole story. You know what I mean? Or this is the story you need to tell. So uh, we're kind of working on that, framing that out a bit more as a team, you know, carrying those conversations and seeing where the issue is. Obviously, looking forward, looking to see what happens with the construction economy. I still see, I still foresee myself when I looked at the scheduling of the podcast guests. I'm going to be doing touch, uh, you know, check-ins with folks that have their finger really on the pulse of Mm -hmm. what's happening, Mm -hmm. depending where they are in the construction pipeline, right? Whether it's manufacturer, building product manufacturers or sub-trades or GCs, right? Yep. Look forward to those conversations. I think we saw last year, and you and I talked about this when we first introduced ourselves, you know, when we had our first kind of exploratory yep. conversation. I found thanks, not thanks, but because of the, the pandemic, the idea of reset in construction, the idea of now starting to look at some kind of innovation or improved efficiencies, whether it's on the back end of a construction company, mm-hmm. like internally mm-hmm. or externally, that started to come to the fore and we started to hear a lot more from a lot more innovators, people that have brought innovation to the industry mm-hmm. started approaching us and saying, you know, you know, you're asking the question if this is the time for the reset, this is our experience. So mm-hmm. I want to share a bit more of those conversations with our listeners because yeah. it was popular last year when we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I measure the popularity is we started to get questions like, Hey, can you connect me with that person or other innovators would be like, you know, that's a good point, but yeah. 
this is what I learned because they're those innovators may be three or four years ahead on the arc of the pain of trying to bring innovation to construction. Yeah. Right. So, but isn't, but isn't that the, but isn't that the best and that the, the reason why part of the reason why you do the podcast is to reach people, right? Like yeah. same for me when some people said, Hey, I never knew that this worked and I reached out to them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of feedback is like, you know what? I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Right? So, and we must be doing something right week to week. We're putting in recording yeah, these things. So yeah, exactly. We're listening. So we keep it up. So. Perfect, perfect. Well, Raul, I mean, I think that's great. I think you and I, I yeah. think maybe our listeners get the sense. I think you, we could go on for a little bit. Continue for a long, I think <laughs> long we can continue time. for a long time. Long time. I think we could do a three-part series just on looking ahead it. of 2021. But um, you got it. I do foresee us checking in with each other this year. I, I'd be curious to see where we're at come the next quarter or halfway through the year. Yeah, you never you know. know. It's uh, It's it's a whole new world as they say right yeah for sure so for my sorry to cut you off i was just saying yeah. so for the sake of my listeners yeah. you'll see it in the show notes when yeah. we post but if you want to tell uh people listening where they can find build our future yeah um you know it's pretty much all the platforms spotify apple google amazon now has it too mm-hmm. um you can go on our website um slash podcast actually we're working on a dedicated podcast website now Mm-hmm. which will be buildourfuture.fm and that's probably going to launch in the next week, week and a half. Um, but yeah, so those are the, the general spaces. Um, you know, I, I post everywhere. You can find links on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you and me connected as well. Um, right. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much all, all, the, all the normal spots. You want to find a little bit more about me, the, mm-hmm. the website's there as well. So, mm-hmm. basically everywhere you can listen, you can, right. you can listen to it. Perfect. And for the sake of your listeners, if you want to listen to the the construction record, if you found this interesting enough and you want to learn a bit more about uh, what we do with our pod, uh, you can find it on any podcatcher that you have as far as uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, we're there, Spotify, we're there as well. Um, Our podcast page is off our main uh, newspaper website. So that's dcnonl.com backslash podcasts or joconl.com backslash podcasts. Uh, the DCN stands for Daily Commercial News. JOC stands for Journal of Commerce. Um, yes, and you can track us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on Instagram as well, and Facebook. You'll find posts about us. You'll find this posted there as well. So, um, you know, in the end, uh, I hope our listeners get something out of this, you know, with two different shared perspectives. And uh, I really it's, inter- it's interesting coming from a reporting side and from a contractor <laughs> side. In yeah. Right? So, no, you know, exactly. It's, it's, it's been great. Uh, thanks for having me on, Vince, and uh, great you joined as well. Um, always fun. I mean, we can keep talking. So we got to end it sometime. <laughs> exactly. Sounds good. Well, look, thanks again, Raul. That was really great. And uh, take care, everyone. Thank you.